Today, we're going to be talking about my failure on the what is called the Wind River High Route. And the reason I wanted to talk about this today was so everybody can learn from my failure. If there's any questions about it, put it down below on TikTok, on the side, or YouTube, and I will try to get to them at the end of the stream. But here's my story. So this was back in the summer, and we decided in the spring or of last year, actually summer of last year, that we, in 2022, wanted to do what was called a high route. And now what a high route is, is what I think of a high route is as a through hike on steroids. So you can think of a through hike as you're going on a trail and it's very, it's a manicured trail. There's, there's not much you have to do in terms of navigation besides periodically checking the map, things like that. You know where you're going most of the time. You're never lost. It's really never sketchy. You're always seeing people. Now, a high route, on the other hand, depending on what it is, can be the extreme opposite of that because most of the time high routes are actually off trail. And when you start getting into off trail stuff, you start need you start needing to know a lot about navigation. You need to be comfortable on talus, rocks. You need to be a lot better of a hiker in my mind. And so I wanted to level up and that's what we that's what we were shooting for with this high route. I got together with two other buddies, and the reason I did that was because I didn't want to do this by myself because I knew it was going to be pretty intense. Typically, I will do through hikes by myself. It doesn't bother me at all, but this I knew was going to be very intense, so I got the help of two buddies to come with me, and we decided to do what was called the Wind River High Route. If anybody is from Wyoming, give me a shout out because I may or may not be moving there. And Wyoming's extremely beautiful, but this particular high route was in what was called the Wind River Range. Now, the Wind River Range is one of the most isolated, if not the isolated, most isolated mountain range in the lower 48. And we were doing what was called the Andrew Skirka version. So Andrew Skirka is this really advanced mountain athlete, basically, that has done a bunch of stuff in the mountains, and he kind of created this route. And so we thought that we would be able to do this. And let me tell you, it was pretty hard. And here's why. So first of all, I had a lot of concerns. I had a lot of concerns before this about the difficulty of this route. And when I was telling my two buddies about it, they didn't really, it didn't really click for them, I guess. And I didn't, I guess I didn't really bring, I, I didn't know if I was being kind of a wuss about it or not. There was a lot of things that we had to consider with this. Number one, it was altitude. There was a, a lot of altitude on this particular route. Basically, most of the time you were staying 10, 000, above 10,000 feet. You were getting up to 13,000 feet on the first day. And anybody that's been in altitude before, leave a leave a, a comment or a, a little chat. Let me know how you react to like being 12,000 feet and above. Also, Brody, I see that YouTube comment. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. You're the man. But altitude will wreck you. And so that was something that I was really concerned.
concerned about. Now, one of our buddies was coming from Ohio. If you know anything about Ohio, you are basically at sea level, possibly below sea level. It's it's the Midwest. I'm and I can say that I'm originally from the Midwest, which is why I'm wearing a Wisconsin t-shirt or a Wisconsin sweatshirt. So I was a little bit concerned about how he was going to be in the altitude. My other buddy was up in Seattle and whatever. So the other part of this was the fact that it was extremely isolated. You would ne- we knew that there was going to be days where we probably weren't going to see anybody because this was an off trail route. So why would anybody be on this route unless they were doing the actual route? And most people go the were going the way I was going. However, I was, um, you know, most people go the same way. Now, the other thing about this was that it was only a hundred. This is only a hundred mile through hike. This is a hundred miles. That's it. It was a hundred mile through hike, and we packed for six and a half days. And knowing how slow we were going to go, we'll get into the story, but. That was obviously a mistake. I mean, to put it into context, I mean, I ran 100 miles in 31 hours and 28 minutes. And within the first two days of this entire through hike, we basically were um, 23 miles in. Absolutely crazy. So this is basically how it started. On the way to this hike, my buddy asked me, are, should we bring a, uh, like a rain jacket? And that's kind of when I knew we were screwed because if you know anything about the Rocky mountains, if you know anything about Wyoming, you know that they have monsoons, monsoon season. So, Ooh, I should, I should actually kind of switch this around my YouTube to TikTok here. Let me see if I can jack this up a little bit. See if I can see the comments. Lungs feel like they're only at 60% of at high altitude. Yeah, no kidding, right? But I knew we were screwed when my buddy was asking me if he needed to take his actual really good rain jacket. And I said, after being caught in all these Colorado trail monsoons the year prior, I said, absolutely. Like, he's like, well, the the forecast shows that it's going to be completely sunny the entire time. And I said, the forecast is going to lie. The mountains completely make their own weather. And not an hour later, we were driving and we were looking at the Wind River Range and there was just these black, ominous clouds coming in. So super, super, super scary. And He was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I kind of understand what you're talking about now. Anyway, we get to the trailhead that evening, and I was a big proponent of wanting to hike in as far as we could that day, that night. But our one buddy from Ohio didn't want to, so we ended up staying in the trailhead parking lot. We wake up in the morning, and our buddy from Ohio, super sick. Just all of a sudden got super sick. So it's it's 5.30 a.m. We're like, hey, man, you know, are you going to be like going with us? Like, we got to start going. It was getting to be first light. And we wanted to get a move on the day. And he's like, dude, I like I can't I can't hike. So we're like, are you like, are you shitting us right now? You just drove from Ohio to Wyoming. And the day we started hiking, you can't hike. So we're like, okay, um, well, I guess rest up a little bit and 
possibly you can meet us after we get over Wind River Peak at 13,000 feet, and you can meet us at the Big Sandy Campground. Keep in mind, he would have to drive about two and a half hours around the mountain range and then hike in about seven miles. But we were hopeful that he was going to be able to do that. So we start going, and we get about six miles in. Just It's just me and my buddy at this time, and morale's kind of down because we lost a dude. We lost our buddy. And as we're walking, I look through my pockets, and I'm like, dude, I don't have my the description of the entire route so you got to keep in mind in high routes they give you like kind of a general map and then most of the time you're relying on this description of what you're supposed to find and what you're supposed to see and how you're supposed to navigate this trail for example it's like hey go down this gully that is 213 degrees on your compass bearing to the right of the one on the left because the left one's cliffed out blah blah it's like pertinent information like that And so I'm like, dude, like we're kind of screwed. So I'm trying to, cause I left it in our buddy Steve's from Ohio, his car, when we got to the trailhead and I'm like, dude, I left it in there. How could I do that? And so I tried calling Steve, couldn't get a hold of him. Obviously like we don't have service. So I'm thinking hopefully as we get to the peak, we can maybe get service. We can call him. Okay. So we keep going and we go about 11 miles by 10 a.m. And our goal was 10 by 10. That's kind of a, a common through hiker thing is, is to get 10 miles by, by 10 a.m. So we're going along and we finally hit the off trail part at about mile 15. Now, the first day we were trying to get to 23 miles and the total of the day. And we start grow, going up in elevation and our objective now was Wind River Peak. And as we're starting to get to the peak, we start to get service and we end up, we end up at the near wind river peak. And so I call my buddy, Steve to see how he's feeling. And he answers and says that he has COVID. (laughs) He ended up getting COVID somehow between coming from driving by himself from Ohio to Wyoming by himself. The only thing he ever stopped for was a change of tire. So he ends up having to, um, so he ends up getting COVID and we're like, so what does that mean for the rest of the trip? And he's like, man, like I, I can't, I can't go anymore. Like I can't meet you guys. And so I'm like, dude, like you have these papers that I need for the description of the route. And he's like, oh, I'll try to email them to you. And so he did, which, and I ended up getting them, screenshotting them. And that was cool. But we ended that call and he ends up driving back to Ohio. So it's a major buzzkill. So it's just me and my other buddy, David. So we look at each other and we're like, oh my God, like we just lost our buddy first day to COVID somehow. And this is like going to be like the hardest hike of our life. So it's just us two now. I haven't seen anybody all day, by the way. We get up to the nearing Wind River Peak, which is 13,100 feet. There was never supposed to be any snow up there. And if you see in the video that I'll that I'll actually put in here, that's on YouTube actually, I'm post holding all the way up to my stomach in snow before we get to the summit. The last like 200 feet was just horror, just absolutely horror. So we keep post holding, we can barely move. 
We're like struggling to get up to this peak. We're altitude sick. Finally, it's 5 p.m. We get to the top of the peak. This is day one, by the way. We've gone about 17 miles of the 100. With, mind you, only the last three to four miles have been off trail. So we get to the top and we are just wrecked from altitude. Both of us are basically, I was describing it as you feel drunk without any of the good feelings. (laughs) That's basically how we felt. So we get up to the top and I look at David and I said, dude, like we need to hurry up and we need to get down. And there was a couple of these tarns, which are basically glacier lakes that we could see down below. And we thought that's where our day would end. So we are now going down this talus. It was just rocky talus, loose rock everywhere. Imagine like you're hiking on the moon. That's basically what it looked like. Although you were just at a giant, like 45 degree slope and all these rocks are moving. So we're, we think we know the way the route down. We keep getting on these like weird mountain goat trails. Can't figure out the actual route as we're going down a rock is we're being very careful not to loosen any rocks because you're basically going to like slide down this ravine or you're going to just break your leg and there's nobody around. Right. And as I'm walking, I some somehow just a giant boulder comes down and starting to fall on my leg and I have to bench press it off of me. And I have this on my GoPro and I was like freaked out. Cause I'm like, dude, this is so like dangerous. We're just out here by ourselves. So, we're going down. We're thinking we're going to get there. We get cliffed out. We're thinking we're going to get there. We get cliffed out again. By now, it's about 7 p.m. And the sun's about to go down. So I look at David, and he's like, dude, like, I'm bonking hard, which just essentially means, like, he's low of calories, and he is basically unable to to keep moving, sustaining this rate of movement, although it's only we only have, like, a mile down, and it's taking us this long. And I said, dude, like we cannot be up here in headlamps because if we, first of all, we cannot pitch a tent up here. And second of all, there's no way we're going to be able to get down just in headlamps, just, just being able to see what's in front of us. Cause we're having a hard enough time right now in the full daylight. She's like, okay, man. And so we end up finding this, sh- actually he finds the shoot down and we start slowly kind of picking our way down. And eventually we get to this tarn. And by this time, like the sun is pretty much down and we're at about 19 miles for the day. We were trying to get to 23 miles for the day. We thought it was going to be easy. And we just are like, screw it. We just set up camp. I don't eat. I hadn't ate for probably six hours. I eat three Fritos, three Fritos. And my buddy goes, dude, I don't think I can do that whole thing for six more days. And I was actually almost kind of glad he said that because I was thinking, thinking the exact same thing. And I said, you know what? I get it, but let's just sleep on it and let's see how we feel in the morning because you can always say, and it goes two ways. When you're trying to plan a trip, when you're on the air conditioned couch, you can plan this trip and it's, it's awesome. And then when you actually get into the field and you start encountering some obstacles, like it's totally different. It's the same thing when you're planning on quitting, like you, you want to be in the correct mindset. Like if you are going to actually throw in the towel, like you have to be in like a, a good enough mindset. You can't just be fatigued and do that because fatigue makes cowards of us all. So I said, let's wait until the morning. We can formulate a decision then. So we wake up in the morning and we feel, you know, pretty, a lot better anyway. 
we wake up and we still have more off trail travel. So remember when I told you, yes, the day before we went 10 miles by 10 a.m. Or no, we went 11 miles by 10 a.m. The day two going off trail, we went about two and a half miles by 10 a.m. That's how slow we were going and just how slow it was to pick apart through the talus and trying to navigate and figure out like where we were in accordance to like the map. And now, mind you, we kind of did have a GPS route of this, like a general route, but it was still pretty sketchy. Like you just rocks everywhere, unstable ground. You had to really pick your way through. So we eventually get to this place called Blackjack Lake. And by by now it's about 11, 10 a.m., whatever. And (laughs) that was where we were supposed to be the day before. And it took us another half day. At this point, I'm thinking, I don't think that we are going to be able to make the rest of this route. We still have 75 miles to go. And we have basically five and a half days of food. And the way we've been moving right now, I don't think that we're going to be able to make this. I think like we have not packed enough. And my buddy's kind of like, you know, maybe, I don't know. And so we keep hiking. We're trying to see like, what, how are we going to feel or whatever? And we get over this pass and it kind of starts raining. We start getting that, that monsoon season type rain and it starts raining a little bit again. And as we come over the pass, we get into what was called the Cirque of the Towers. So if you're a rock climber, like you probably have heard of the Cirque, Cirque of the Towers. Absolutely beautiful. This big basin, basically a Cirque. And there's just these different towering peaks and stuff. And we see, we see our next objective, which is off trail again. And it's about a 2000 foot ascent up again, another talus spread rock looks impossible to do like from where we're at with a little kind of cornice, snow cornice at the top of it. And we just, I just like look at him. I'm like, dude, I don't, I just don't think we, I don't think we have it any I was like, I don't think that I am actually mentally prepared to do the rest of this route because you got to understand that the first day was basically the easiest day of this entire route. The rest of the route was getting more. It was split into four sections and each each section had a percentage of off trail travel. The first section, which is we we had, what we had just done until Blackjack Lake was the least amount of off trail travel. So we had three more sections of like this extreme. Okay. So I said, dude, I just don't think, I don't think I have it mentally in me right now to deal with all of that. We were moving so slow. So we end up saying, okay, no problem. Well, let's just, let's call it then. Cause this was, mind you, this is an extremely isolated place. If we were to, if we were to keep going the only place we would bail is probably another 50 miles away. We would have to go 50 more miles in this off trail travel. And then we could bail out some other trail for probably two days. It would take us. So this was really our only option. So we end up bailing out at Cirque, Cirque of the Towers. But, that, but that's not the end. Not even close to the end. So at this point, we're about, yeah, 25, 26 miles in. And we want to get as far. So we get, we find this feeder trail on Gaia GPS. We find this feeder trail that will then take us out back to our starting trailhead. But we had a problem, which the problem was our buddy, Steve from Ohio had already drove back to Ohio. So we had no car 
at that trailhead. And our car, our rental car, was at the ending point. This was a point-to-point. This is a point-to-point trail. So you start here, you end here. We had parked our car here. We got picked up by Steve. He brought us all the way back to here. So our car wasn't even there. Whatever. We were just focused on trying to get out at this point because we still had a day, day and a half to actually walk out from where we were at. That's like, you know, we're, we're in pretty far. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening. I just wanted to jump in quick to remind you to sign up for my monthly newsletter called first light in the description below. It's completely free newsletter where I give exclusive tips, inspirational content and stories that I don't post anywhere else. I'm also going to leave a link to my Etsy shop if you want to grab some peanut butter and mountain shirts for the holidays. Back to the story. So we want to go as far as we can and we start walking, we start walking, it starts raining. We get under a tree and I'm thinking, okay, we'll just, you know, kind of huddle under this tree for a little bit and let this pass. Because typically these monsoons will come and then go fairly quickly. And so it starts raining we get under this tree. We actually, we actually take my tent out and kind of cover up kind of as like a blanket. And we're just kind of sitting there and waiting for it to pass. It starts getting heavier, heavier. We get thunder, lightnings around us. And I learned my lesson from the Colorado trail, which was simply when that happens, do not wait until you're too soaked to actually go and get into a shelter. So I'm like, okay, we need to set up my tent. So we set up my tent. We both get in there, actually. Wait for another hour. Still is getting even heavier. So he ends up setting up his tent. (laughs) Gets absolutely just wrecked in the rain. Just soaked. And it rains from 3 o'clock to 7 p.m. that night. So obviously, we didn't do any more hiking that day. So that was kind of a morale boost or morale crusher. So we wake up in the morning and now we have about 21, 22 miles out to the starting trailhead. Great. Pretty uneventful day. We get out to the trailhead towards the evening. But the problem is, is how do we get from here to all the way to here now? Which so basically where, where we were was Lander, Wyoming was where our car was basically. Actually, still not even in Lander. It was still like 20 miles outside of Lander. But then we needed to get from there all the way to Dubois, Wyoming. If you look that up, that's like a two-hour – that's like two hours away. And we have no vehicle. (laughs) So I tell David, I'm like, dude, we're going to have to hitch. We're going to have to like hitch into Lander. We're going to have to hitch into Dubois. And he's like, who is (laughs) – he's like, who is going to pick up two males on the side of the road? I'm like, yeah, I know, man. Like, it's going to be a little bit tough, but we're going to – it is a trail town. Like, the Continental Divide Trail actually goes through there, or a lot of CDTers come through there, I believe. And so they're kind of used to, like, these hitches and things like that. So we get to this trailhead, and we sit there, and we're waiting for car. They're passing us. They're passing us. They're passing us. And finally, this couple – that had been mountain biking or sitting there and they're like, Hey, do you guys need a ride? And we're like, actually, yeah, that would be great. So they end up picking us up and they get us into Lander, Wyoming. So at this time it's like not, you know, it's 8 PM, 8 30. And they're like, yeah, there's a free park that you can stay at actually where all these people from around the country are always going to this free park to stay. 
And we're like, no way. Like that would, first of all, that would never happen in the PNW, like the Pacific Northwest. So we get, we end up getting there and there's just like tons of people there. There's a bunch of people that are doing the, what's it called? The Trans Am from uh, coast to coast on the bike. All these bicyclists there. There's rock climbers. It was like, it was awesome. Vibe was, vibe was up here. And I really had a good time. I was like talking to like all these different people, whatever. And so we ended up setting up our tent in the state park. And then towards evening, as I, as I actually texted my girlfriend, I'm like, wow, this is like great. Like, this is a, such a fun, this is such a great, great little state park. This, this woman is ostensibly, she's drunk apparently. And she's wandering around the campsites, wandering around the campsites, just really drunk. Her parents are there. I think she was underage. Parents are there and they're not doing anything about it. She's just yelling, just screaming, yelling. And then she actually makes a threat towards everyone in the campground, like yells this like very loud threat that I'm not even going to repeat on here because I don't want to get like banned from these, these platforms. (laughs) But as soon as I heard that threat, I actually ended up calling the non-emergency number in, in Lander. So I call, so, and obviously I work for the criminal justice system. So like, I'm kind of used to like this type of stuff, but when you make cert, when you say certain things and make certain threats about things and I'm going to bed in a tent right next to you, I'm going to, we're going to call someone, right? So I end up calling the non-emergency number and they're like, okay, give us a description, blah, blah, blah. They end up rolling in. I kind of talk to them and they end up talking to the person. They actually end up arresting her. And I mean, I haven't heard anything back from it. I don't know what happened. Um, I guess probably maybe I'll get a call one of these days about being a witness or something, but I haven't heard anything yet. So that was our night. So after she got arrested, I, I could sleep, which was great. And then, you know, you never know. You might have saved some people's lives in the campground. So that was great. That was cool, too. We wake up in the morning. Now our issue is we need to get to Du Bois, Wyoming. Du Bois, Wyoming is about two hours away from where we currently are. So we're thinking, oh man, okay, this is going to be a heck of a hitch. So we post up at the edge of town and we're there for an hour. Nothing. No, I mean, nobody's even giving us a wink, a wave, nothing. And finally... Uh, this woman pulls up in a truck and it was like, Hey, where are you guys trying to get to? And we told her, and she's like, well, I can take you to Fort Washeke, which is basically in between both of them. And we're like, okay, sweet. Like that'll get us closer to where we're at. Like 45 minutes closer. And it was really cool. It was an awesome hitch. She was, she was uh, native to, I don't think Wyoming, but she basically, she had said she had been all over the world, loves living in Lander, gave us a bunch of history, told us where, uh, Sacagawea's grave was, which was in for, uh, Fort Washeke. Super cool. Gave us a bunch of history on Wyoming and all that. Ends up dro- ends up dropping us off at Fort Washeke. <laughs> and it was great. And so we sit there and we're like, okay, well, this is actually in the middle of nowhere. Like, I don't know. You know, we're now hit, trying to hitch on the side of the highway. We actually end up getting a hitch within like 10 minutes randomly. And it's this gal and her nephew. Super cool again. Gave us a bunch of history on Wyoming. 
And they end up taking us all the way back to Du Bois and not even just Du Bois, but literally like off into this gravel road to the trailhead to get to our rental car. Now, we got to the rental car, which was great. And they dropped us off. We thanked them and they they left. And as we get to the rental car, I realized that I left the lights on the entire time. So <laughs> go to flip the car on. Car's dead. So we have to end up waiting again. We have to get some jumper cables from this other kind of family that was somehow at the trailhead. And of course, then, you know, you realize that I also realized that I left the, or I didn't fill up with gas before I got there. So the gas lights on, so gas lights on. So we got to like, you know, coast basically this gravel road back to town somehow and finally end up getting gas and whatever, but that's not the end of the story. It's still not the end of the story yet. So now we have to drive all the way back to Salt Lake City, which is where my buddy's at, which is where we're flying out. So I had a flight out of Salt Lake City for Monday. Now it is Sunday of the week before that Monday. So not I it's not saying that I'm flying out the next day. It's flying out I'm the next week Monday. So I have like 7 days to burn. And I'm like, "Well, what am I going to do in like First of all, Steve, the Ohio buddy, had all of our running gear, like our running vest and all that stuff. So he brought that all the way back to Ohio. So we didn't have any running gear. We had like all this backpacking gear. Like, what are we going to do? So I'm like, you know, I am not going to wait seven days to go fly out. So as we're driving, I'm like looking at those budget fares, right? You, you see those budget fares on online and they're like, book now. We'll give you the details later. You can't see them until you book but it was like super discounted price. So I'm thinking, okay, whatever, no problem. But I molded over for a little bit and I was like, ah, I'm not going to do it yet. We'll see if they keep going down. Well, the next morning we're trying to scramble. We were going to do something real quick outside of Salt Lake city in the Wasatch range, do some scrambles. And as I'm sitting there, it's like super early in the morning. And I looked and I was like, oh my God, like the budget fair, like went down in price sick. So I'm like book. And I'm like looking at the details again and I'm like, oh my God. I ended up booking it like I was still in Portland going to Salt Lake City. Basically what I'm saying is I booked it the wrong way, the wrong direction. So now I have two flights that I don't want to use. So I'm like, oh, well, the, the, the airline will just switch them, call the airline, literally talking for like two hours. They will not. This is a tip. Do not buy a budget fare and try to get refunded because I was like, you know, look, I'm not trying to pull your guys's leg here. It's not like I scheduled this budget fare and didn't like the details. It's like I literally just screwed it up and they're like, no, nope, nothing we can do about it. So I ended up buying a third flight, literally a third flight to fly out the next day because I'm just like at this point, I'm just like, I am so over this. <laughs> I'm so over this whole entire thing. So over this whole entire day, or this whole entire trip. So. Anyway, end up flying out and back home, and that's basically the end of the story. Pretty much a, a, a giant disaster, but there's always lessons to be taken away from a disaster, and here's what I came up with. So number one, high routes are basically advanced through hikes. So if you are somebody that is getting bored of backpacking, getting bored of through hiking, I would totally recommend a a going on a high route as 
the magic sauce to help that because it's just a lot more skills involved. There's a lot more thinking and it's, it's a lot more difficult. The other thing is it's always going to take you a longer amount of time than you think on a high route. You think that like, I'm, you know, you're so used to going 2.5, three miles an hour on a cruisy trail. It's not the case on a high route. So really, I mean, one mile an hour is you're moving pretty good. And the other thing is to start with an easy version. Like I said before, we went with the Skirka route of the Wind River High Route. Now, some people, when they're first time doing their doing a high route, they could probably complete that. It wasn't me. I would say go with an easier high route to start with. I am now looking at what's called Allen's version of the high route, which is a little bit easier than Skirka's version. And you got to mind, you know, you have to know that Andrew Skirka is an intense dude. So it makes sense that his route was super hard. The other thing is, is there any ultra fans in here? Leave a comment on TikTok or YouTube if there's any ultra fans watching. But ultra temps, I wore those for this hike and they got absolutely shredded. Not good on talus. There's barely any grip. If I was to wear something, what I would probably end up wearing again would be the ultra lone peaks. There's a lot more grip and they can actually grip on the talus and on some of that rock that you're trying to like stick to instead of flying down a cliff. The other part is that I would recommend definitely not going alone unless that's what you're into, but having three people at least is, is very fun. And the reason is because you're going to go through a lot more peaks and valleys of morale on a high route than you are with a regular through hike, in my opinion. And having three people, usually the third person can bring the other two out of a funk or vice versa. And so if both people are in a funk, though, it's kind of hard to get that other person out of a funk if you're still good, but there's but the other person that's with you is kind of in a funk. It is a little bit difficult, and it kind of weighs on your morale as well. And then I kind of figured out that the best part, I think, about through hikes for me is the fact is meeting new people. Cause I had a really good time when I was at that uh, place in Lander where I was actually meeting different people and um, you know, listening to their stories and things like that. So the isolation of the wind river high route was something that was really tough for me. But again, I think that's something that can be mitigated if you have more people in your party, but the video will be in the description of my YouTube live or if you're on TikTok right now you can actually go to my YouTube in my profile and you can see uh, I think it's called my hardest hike ever wind river high route so it's a really good video to watch if you want a visual of this stuff, type of stuff so yeah but other than that I'm going to shut down YouTube and I'm going to go through some of the comments that I have on the other one actually no I'm going to keep YouTube up because that's going to be that's going to end up being my what I ripped for my podcast. Let's see TikTok here. Oh, that's right. It's on a charger. Okay. What do we got here? I fasted for three days last week. You'd be surprised how long you can go without food, but obviously depends on calories you burn. Yeah, definitely. I definitely get that. Um, fasting is interesting. I have done some fasted runs and things like that before. I think you definitely need to get used to it prior to going out and things. Um, it's something that's pretty hard if you aren't really adapted to, you know, right away, but yeah, it definitely can be effective, but 
more of a hiker working on becoming a rock climber, but I just tore my bicep. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I have a lot of comments with this one. So that is exactly kind of what I'm doing as well. I have been starting to transition into rock climbing too. And I don't know, it's just kind of that natural thing of like, right? Like you kind of want to get a, you want to go another level up. And rock climbing was like, that is that for me, especially I'm really, I haven't done it yet, but trad climbing, I do some sport climbing, lead climbing kind of is kind of scary for me, but I'm not really that interested in being like the best climber ever. I'm more of like, I just want to be out there and know how to do some of the climbing moves and understand how to do like trad climbing for different adventures. But to your point of the tour bicep, I've also, I also have a torn bicep or did tear my bicep. If you can see it right there is the scar. You probably, you probably can't see it, but yeah, that sucks, man. But the recovery isn't too bad on it. My only advice, if you want it, it would be to, I did a lot of sauna, a lot of cold soaks and stuff. I felt like that helped my recovery as well as collagen helped a lot too. So I did have surgery. I did have surgery on it. They, it was up. So I had the distal tear. So it was from the bottom, you know, this part here instead of like the Popeye one. So I had the distal tear and they had to go in there, fish it out and then reattach it to my bone. Cause they're like, yeah, you're going to want to use your bicep again. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. So you'll be good then. Hopefully that'll heal. Collagen really helped a lot. So but other than that, thanks everybody for joining. This will be on a podcast as well. It's called the peanut butter and mountains podcast. And it's a, where I'm going to be putting these lives and doing some other stuff like that. But also check out my YouTube channel. If you want to see the video for the wind river higher out that I was talking about. So, all right, peace out.